moment, turn on your iPad, turn on your phone to look at Luke chapter 15. If you're visiting with us, we're glad that you're here. I kind of look at people in one of three stages of life. Either we are in a mess or we are just getting out of a mess or we are one decision away of being in a mess. So I say that because if you're visiting with us and if you're a member here, you're not alone. We all fall kind of in one of those three categories. And that's why we just really believe it is better to go through life with God helping us than just doing it alone. Amen? And that's kind of why we're here this morning. Let's bow for a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your mercy and your grace. And we acknowledge the fact that we struggle in this life. We acknowledge the fact that we need your help. Some of us are dealing with the mess of health. Some of us are dealing with the mess of relationships or decisions that need to be made. And Father, it's so nice that we don't have to do it alone. That you want to help us, to be with us. As a matter of fact, you have been seeking us all this time. Give us wisdom and strength. I pray that you will forgive our speaker for his sins are many. May we only see Jesus, just Jesus. We pray this in your blessed son's name. Amen. The question I want us to think about this morning is, where does your view of God come from? Everybody gets their view of God from somewhere. Now, I was born and raised in New York City, the youngest of six. There were six of us in a one-bedroom apartment. But we always had plenty of food. You know how I know that? Every time I asked my mom for seconds, she said, no, you had plenty. And I remember one night, as like a storms we were having last night, I asked my dad, I said, Dad, where does lightning and thunder come from? And my dad said, well, son, that's God beating his wife. And the mom heard, my mom heard that and said, no, 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 no. It's God bowling. You know, the rolling of the ball and then the strike. And, and that's kind of why I'm confused the way I am in life. Okay? But some people get their view of God by looking at creation. And they think, wow, creation is just beautiful. And it is. And they think God is good. But then some people go through a difficult situation like a hurricane, a tornado. And they think, well, God's just angry at me. And so they get their view of God from creation. Some people get their view of God from their situation. If things are going well, God is good. But if things are not going well, we think God is just out to get us and is against us. And some people get their view of God from church. And if you have a really good church experience, God is good. But if you grow up in a difficult and a non-loving church, we think God is not very good. Which is why I came up with a phrase growing up, I'm glad I became a Christian before I met too many of them. Because sometimes you have bad experiences, and so we get our view of God from our experiences from the situation. And so I want you to think about that question. Where do you get your view of God this morning? And in Luke chapter 15, we see where Luke, who's a physician, after becoming a Christian, he says, man, I want to really investigate this stuff. I really want to know more detail than just the death, burial, and resurrection. So he records his finding and his research 
And in Luke chapter 15, probably one of the people he talked to about what happened during Jesus' time on earth was Peter. And, and somebody shares with him this story of Luke 15 in verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teacher of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Pause. Very interesting. Two groups of people, the Pharisees and the teacher of the law, one group, the sinners and the tax collector, another group, and the Pharisees and the teacher of the law had a hard time. They were like, Jesus is a man of God. What is he doing hanging around people who struggle with sin? That's crazy. God wouldn't do that. And, you know, I started to learn that you can tell people's view of God by their behavior, Right? How they treat others is a reflection on their view of God. And Jesus got that. As a matter of fact, he says, okay, let me tell you three stories with a specific purpose in mind. And that purpose is, I want to change your view of God. And so he tells the first one. Then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So he tells a story about a sheep. That kind of goes astray. And we all experience different struggles in life. Struggles with sin, struggles with life. And the first one he talks about is that some people struggle unintentionally. Meaning they didn't deliberately set out to be struggling with alcoholism or drug addiction or any of that kind. They just kind of wandered off and got lost. I don't know anything about sheep. I was born and raised in New York City. Sheep, you know, we saw them in the Bronx. That was about it. Okay, but I hear that sheep just kind of just wandered off. And it describes God being like the shepherd. And what does the shepherd do? He seeks out the sheep. He's looking for those who are struggling in sin, maybe because unintentionally they just kind of got lost. Which I'm sure the sinners and tax collectors were like, God's looking for me. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were going, God's looking for them? Yeah. God is eagerly searching. And when he finds them, he doesn't do like my dad did when I was lost. My dad would go, pick yourself up. Let's go. It's your fault. You're lost. Let's go. But, Dad, I'm sore and tired. It doesn't matter. It's your fault. You made your bed. You lie in it. What does it say that the shepherd did? It says he picked up the sheep, put it on his shoulder, walked them all the way back. Probably gave him a bath. And then they said they began to celebrate because they found the lost sheep. And he could see this Pharisee and teacher of the law were going like, God's that way? And the sinners and tax are like, I mean, God's really that way? And Jesus is like, yes. Let me tell you another one. He goes on. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one of them. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? 
And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, it took me a little bit to get this story because of the fact that you've got to understand a little bit of the history. Because to me, if I saw a coin on the ground, it better be a quarter or more. I'm not going to bend down and pick it up. Okay. But he's talking about the fact that many women who were engaged, they would take ten coins and make a string at them, kind of like an engagement ring. And if you ever lost your engagement ring or your wedding ring, you know that feeling. And so what is God trying to, what is Jesus trying to say here? He's saying, just like the woman that considered that one missing coin valuable, God considers you valuable. And there are a lot of people who struggle with a sense of worth because of the life, the situation they were thrown into. Maybe they grew up with an alcoholic family or a medically, uh, mentally challenged family. Or maybe they just, you know, just so many different variables where they've grown up and said, you know, I am worthless and therefore I'm just going to live a life of being lost. And God says, you know what? I'm searching for you. I'm looking for you. I'm eagerly trying to reconnect with you and deal with that sense of lostness, that sense of worthlessness. And you you got to think this sinners and tax collectors like God thinks I'm valuable. God really, you know, he didn't say, well, I got the other nine coins. It doesn't matter. I'll guy I'll, I'll just buy a new one. Every single coin, every single soul, every single individual is valuable to God. And I love at the very end, it says something here. It says there will be rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. Think about that for a moment. The other one said there will be rejoicing in heaven. Those are the angels. Here it says there will be rejoicing before the angels. So who's doing the rejoicing? God is. It's one of the only scriptures in the Old and New Testament where it talks about God rejoicing over reconnecting with somebody who's struggling with a sense of worthlessness, who's struggling. They weren't intentionally, but, you know, all of a sudden they're going on. And it's like the Pharisees and teachers of the law must be thinking, no way. God, my view of God is not like that. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm trying to change your view of God. He says, let me tell you another one. The most famous parable of all the stories in the scriptures, the parable of the lost son, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. I did that once. I went to my dad and said, dad, can I have my inheritance? He says, sure, I'll give you my debts. Like, can you do that? Can you really do that? I mean, most of us would think our fathers would no way give us our inheritance. It's like, I can't wait till you die. But the father did. Just like God says, you want the gift of life? Yeah, it's yours to do with whatever you want. And then it says, not long after that, the young son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wildwood. This is different. This individual thinks that his life is better without God. God doesn't want me to be happy. My father doesn't want me happy. I'm going to live on my own. 
I'm just going to go do what I want to do. And he goes off to a distant country. He can't do what he wants to do with his father's presence. Meaning he's like, man, I can't do this with God around. You ever done that before? God, could you just wait here? I'm going to go over here. And I, I promise I'll be back. See, this guy was different. This guy intentionally says, I don't care what God says. I'm just going to do what I want to do because I want to be, quote, happy. So he went off for a distant country and there squanders the wealth of wild living. After he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in that country and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him out to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now his life was a mess and he was alone and struggling. See, this world's going to chew us up and spit us out because it's not interested in God. And therefore now he's like, what am I going to do? And I love what he says. He says, when he had come to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And he began to go home to his father. What did he come to his senses about? He came to his senses about who his father really was. He's like, what am I doing here? My dad loves me. He treats people nice. I need to go home. He just came to his senses. And it made me think of the reality that wisdom comes in changing our view of God. Many people think God is against them. God doesn't love them. God doesn't care for them. And Jesus is trying to say, no, that is not true. Because he sent Christ into the world to save us and to bring us home. And the reality is, if God, if Jesus died for us, then he is for us. And it wasn't until the the son says, you know what? I'm wrong. My dad really is not that bad. He loves me. And he decides, I'm immediately going to go back to him. And I'm going to get this thing figured out about life. And so he goes back and he starts practicing this speech. You've ever done that before? Practicing what you're going to say? He's like, Dad, I am worthless. I am no good. I just, I just want to be a day laborer. Notice the father's reaction. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And I just had this vision of the son walking with his head down, practicing his speech. I'm worthless. I'm no good. I wouldn't know what was I thinking. And all of a sudden, the father sees him in the distance and starts running to him and just gives him a big bear hug. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute, Dad. I, I got something to tell you before you say anything or do anything. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring the fat the robe and best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. So they began to celebrate. And the father is like the son's trying to wait. I'm trying to tell you everything I've done wrong. And he goes, listen, I get it. Repentance is for your benefit, not mine. It's the fact that we're now connected again. That you want a relationship with me. That's really what counts. And it says they began to celebrate. And that's just 
awesome because the sinners and tax workers are thinking, God is not going to welcome me with open arms. He's going to just tell me everything I've done wrong. You ever had parents like that? You know, that my son one time, my youngest son, one time he did something wrong. And I don't know what's it's my human nature. I started listing everything he did wrong that day. And he looked at me and said, Dad, not even God remembers my sin. I was like, oh, let me take the knife out. And he was right. God's like, look, the most important thing is that we're in communion and we have a relationship and that we're working together. That's what counts more than anything else. And it says they began to celebrate. Now, I bet the father was thinking, you wait till your brother sees you. He's going to be so happy. Until something happens, it says, meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field when he heard the noise near he when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Okay, we're not going to talk about music or dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come and he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out to plead with him. He's like, oh, wait until your brother sees you. And the servant goes, ah, he's outside. And he's you ever had a relative not want to come into the celebration of Thanksgiving? Or is it just my family? You know. And it's like, he's not coming in. He's mad. And the father's like, what are you mad about? He says, come on in. Your brother's here. But he had, the older brother said to his father, look. Notice it has that explanation point right there. Look. All these years I have been your servant and have slaved for you and you never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours who had squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you killed a fatted calf for him. I love that. He's like, look, Dad, I hate to tell you this. Don't tell Mom, but he's been squandering with prostitutes. You know what he's been doing? He's been using it for drugs. He's been doing all this stuff. I mean, and the father's like, you think I'm ignorant? I know that. He says, my son. I love that, too. He starts out responding to the older brother by saying, my son. He didn't say, come on, man, be a big brother and just go on in there. He says, my son. The father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. What the older brother didn't get, it was more about the relationship, the fact that the younger son wanted to reconnect and have a relationship with the father again. Life is found in a relationship with God so I can deal with the world's struggles. It doesn't mean the younger son no longer had struggles, but now he's doing it with God, with his heavenly father. And he realized that death is found doing it alone. That's what he found out. And so, you know, the Pharisees and teachers of the law is like, oh, my gosh, God really does care about those who are struggling in this world, struggling with sin. And the sinners and tax collectors are going like, God really cares about me. And that made the world of difference. And so the thought is, okay, if what will give me clarity to see God clearly Turn, if you would, to John chapter 14 as we close out. The book of John chapter 14. Philip asked that same question of Jesus. 
in John chapter 14 in verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. You ever ask God, reveal yourself. Help me to understand who you are. I can't see you and it's hard to understand who you are. And it makes sense because we can't see God. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Phillips, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. You want to see God clearly this morning? Look to Christ. Look to Jesus. Because only Jesus can put God into focus. I have these glasses, and if I take them off, you all look like trees. And the older I get, the more you look like trees, okay? And if you look at life, or you try to look at God through what's going on around you, or through your problems, or through creation, or through your past experiences, God is foggy. But when you put Christ on, it's like, oh, now I can see. God, Jesus helps us to see God clearly. And that's what the point Jesus was trying to make. To both the sinners and the tax collectors, to both of them, both groups, if you want to see God clearly, you've got to look through Christ. And so we really fall into two categories this morning. One category is maybe we never thought about viewing God through Christ in that way. And the encouragement this morning is, will you let Jesus change your view of God? And it begins by just following, which means all you got to do is just learn and start reading the New Testament, reading the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, reading the red letters. So for some of us, we got to dust off the Bible and start reading or we can pick up a Bible if you don't have one. You don't have to go to a hotel and steal one. You can go and get a Bible right up right in the back. And just start reading and start saying, all right, Jesus Who are you? And help me to see God through you. And what you will learn is you'll learn that God is for you because God sent Jesus to die for you. And if he died for you, then both Jesus and God are for you and want to join you in the struggles of this life. But then there's some of us, we've we've always looked to Jesus for our view of God, but life has gotten hard. Maybe there's an illness. Maybe there's a sickness. Maybe there's a struggle in a relationship, but we tend to put our eyes on our problems rather than Christ. And we just need to refocus and say, you know what? I'm going to look to Christ to get my view of God in this situation. And I'm going to remember that he loves me and he cares for me. And I'm going to join him as I go through this life. That's what I want you to think about this morning. Take a moment, go ahead and stand and ask yourself as we stand, do I want Jesus to join me as I walk through this life as we stand and sing?